Welcome to Everything Dog Training with me, John McGuigan. Our goal is to bring you information on dog training methods which work and are kind, cutting through the myth and the folklore to help you have a better behaved, happier, emotionally healthier dog who is a joy to be around. Hi and welcome to this latest episode of Everything Dog Training. Uh, really difficult times for everybody just now, so we're moving into the um, later stages of September as recording this. And certainly in the UK, um, things with COVID are, the infection rates are starting to increase again. So things will be changing for everybody over the next um, few weeks and months. And uh, I hope you're all managing as best as you can. Um, so the way we get around this is by wearing your mask, so covering your face, washing your hands and keeping your distance from other people. All right, now science backs that up. So please, please, please follow those guidelines. Um, and we'll all go through this. Um, it's extremely difficult for everybody. Um, so be kind to everybody and be kind to ourselves as we're doing this, uh, as we're getting through this pandemic. All right, so thanks for, as I said, thanks for joining us again today and taking some time out of your schedule to listen to me for however long this is. We're going to talk about labels today. All right, now labeling can be useful. All right, and I'll, uh, and labeling is generally defined as that person is or that individual is or has. Okay, so a dog is dominant, he is aggressive, um, he is a resource guarder. Okay, um, or she has a resource guarder. All right, and those things, um, they don't just re- re- apply to our dogs, they also apply to uh, people as well. So anytime when we're using an adjective to describe an individual, whether it's a, a human or a, a, a non-human animal, um, and so that person, or we use that descriptor of is or has, it should be pause, should, okay? It is pause uh, for us uh, to to think about what is going on there. Okay, so if we describe somebody as um, that person is aggressive, he's a very aggressive person. Look at is that person aggressive in all circumstances, or the, are there other circumstances where that person is gentle and kind and a whole bunch of other things? Okay, so the the environment that we are um, operating in, okay, um, is one of the things which dictates our behavior. So the three things that dictate our behavior is our genetics, that's in the species or the individual. So the species um, or individual, our learning history, and our uh, current conditions. Okay, so uh, if we look at the difference between uh, um, a fish Okay, so say a, a, a shark and a human. A shark can swim underwater because of the genetic uh, ability that it has in order to take oxygen out of the water, whereas we don't have that. Okay, so that would be an, uh, an example of the genetic component of that. Um, whether I can play the guitar or not, which I can't. Okay, so if I can play, I can't play the guitar and we look at uh, Keith Richards or... Um, Eric Clapton, those two references for the young audience. Um, th- that's learning history. Okay, so that those two, Eric Clapton and Keith Richards, have both learned to play the guitar and then practiced at it over and over and over again. Now they might have a, there might be a genetic component to that. They might have a predisposition to be 
to uh, be more genetically inclined to do those behaviours. But that is a very, very, very good example of um, learning history. All right. And then the current conditions, um, what dictates those behaviours? Okay. So just now, because I am motivated to, to do this podcast, I'm sitting at my desk um, and I am talking to you. So those behaviours are based on the current conditions all right, of my motivation and my life. Okay. All right. And then I've got the learning history of being able to... Um, use the microphone, use the computer, edit it, and so on in order to get that information out to you, all right? So those are the three things that look up, uh, that make up behavior, and I will, ref I will refer to these over and over again through um, the, the episodes of the podcast. Now, when I was learning this, uh, um, this information, it was from Dr. Susan Friedman, um, and it's behaviorworks.org is uh, Dr. Susan's website, and it's behavior with the American spelling, so there's no you in the spelling. And one of the things, uh, one of the kind of campaigns or uh, things that she promotes is unlabel me. Okay, so it's th those descriptors don't tell us anything about the individual's behavior. Okay, or they don't tell us enough about that individual's behavior. Okay. So a few weeks ago, I'd asked uh, a question on my Facebook page to for people to put up three adjectives describing Angelina Jolie and Robert De Niro. Okay, so just pick those two people because um, most people will know who they are and to see what they said. So as I'm reading a few of them out here, just think about does, uh, is this, uh, do you agree with these things? Okay, do you agree? And if you don't agree, that's because your definition of these descriptors and how they apply to people is just different from mine. Okay, or that you don't see things in that individual which match with these descriptors, okay? So Angelina Jolie um, uh, was a few of the adjectives were strong, independent, beautiful, weird, talented, and eccentric, okay? Um, and eccentric's a, a difficult word for me now because, and it is eccentric, but every time I see it written down, when you're training with weights, that it's written the same way, but it's eccentric is how you you pronounce it. And that's the lowering phase of the weight. So just a piece of useless information for you there. So, yep, strong, independent, beautiful, weird, talented, and eccentric. And then Robert De Niro is described as humorous, charismatic, warm, rich, famous, and entertaining. Okay. Now, for those of you in the audience who are in the UK and uh, older than, I would say, 40, um, if any of you remember Robert De Niro's interview with Barry Norman on the film uh, uh, film review television program on the BBC, I bet you Barry Norman doesn't describe Robert De Niro as warm, all right, because the interview was hideous um, because the two of them didn't gel, all right. So that's exactly what we're talking about. That's exactly the point I'm making um, for the in the subject of this podcast. So out of all those descriptors from those two individuals, do you agree with them? Okay. And if you don't agree with them, the likelihood is that you're not seeing behaviors which fit in with those descriptors. Okay. And then you're potentially, um, you're maybe going to see behaviors, um, oh, sorry, your definition of those, uh, those terms and how they apply to people um, is different from somebody else who describes them like that. Okay. All right, now, I'll get to how this relates to us with dogs in, in just a moment. 
But if we look at um, traits in men and traits in women, all right, and this is very, very common in society. So um, a certain uh, group of characteristics which are used to describe men are often seen in a positive light, whereas those same set of behaviours in women can be seen in a negative light. Okay, so that's cultural issues going on there. So you see how the behaviours themselves and the circumstances under which those behaviours occur uh, are exactly the same. Okay, exactly the same behaviour, exactly the same circumstances for exactly the same outcomes, but we've got two individuals of uh, two different genders and they are then seen as being completely different descriptors. Okay, so, so these are important things to, to think about. So if we think about um, just... I made a listed a few, okay? So um, ambitious, sensitive, caring, strong, single-minded, nurturing, and tough, all right? So if you think about those terms and then apply them to men and then apply them to women, does that change whether they're positive or negative, all right? So if somebody, if a man is saying he's been sensitive, does that have negative or positive connotations? And I'm just asking the question, okay? I'm not giving any answers or opinion on it. Um, and if a woman is seen as being sensitive, is that more positive or more negative than compared to a man? Okay? All right. So these are just things for us to, to consider while we're talking about this. All right. Now, when we... Um, when I'm working with a client, these things will come up very uh, often. Okay, um, and when they're, they're describing their dogs, okay, and dominance is, is one of them. Dominance and stubborn, okay, or dominant and stubborn. The dog is dominant or the dog is stubborn or two, which come up very, very, very often, really often, okay. Um, and we'll talk, I'll talk about more about dominance in, a, in another episode, but that descriptor doesn't really tell us anything about what the dog is doing. Okay, so what tends to happen is we then get circular logic because we've got this um, mythology surrounding dominance. So we'll have um, the dog doesn't, um, the dog, uh, the behavior the dog is doing is he is snapping and growling and lunging at us uh, when we approach his food bowl. Okay, and people will say, why is the dog doing that? And people, and the answer will say in response to that is because the dog is dominant. Okay, and then we'll say, how do we know the dog is dominant? And they'll say, because he is lunging and, and, and snapping and snarling when we approach his football. And then you say, why is he doing that? Well, because he's dominant. How do you know he's dominant? Because he's aggressive around his football. And you see how that doesn't help anything at all, okay? So it's just to get us thinking about these things, all right? So when I asked the question a few, uh, I asked the question last week, again, on my Facebook page um, for... Uh, descriptors or labels that people use to describe dogs, okay? Um, so I've got some positive ones, um, some uh, negative ones, and some which were um, interesting, <laughs> okay? So we got thankful, okay, which was interesting. Egoistic or egotistic, which I have get, I'll need to go back and, and ask that person about that one because that's a brand new one on me, okay? How can... Um, what are you seeing there that's leading you to that conclusion? Independent, aloof, stubborn, and intuitive. All right, so we've got a group of uh, things there which are kind of maybe grouped together. 
We've also got dominant, disrespectful, and manipulative. All right. So when we look at if we describe a dog as being like that, that then instills in us a reaction or potentially instills in us a reaction. Again, when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking in arm absolutes. I'm just saying from experience. So if it, if we believe our dog is dominant, okay, or trying to be dominant, then we will then try to show dominance back. Okay, which means that we then start to become more potentially more aversive towards the dog, okay? So potentially more threatening um, or whatever, harsher towards the dog. If we feel that the dog is disrespectful, okay? It's the same again, if somebody has been disrespectful to you, what does that prompt in us? What behaviors does it prompt and what emotions does it prompt? And if we think our dog is manipulative, okay? Now manipulative is a really, really interesting descriptor here because um, you get this, I get this really often when I'm doing clicker training um, with a dog. Now, there's, I don't know how well this will translate from, um, uh, from our colloquialisms. Uh, so we've got in, in Glasgow or in the west of Scotland, we've got our own um, set of colloquialisms. Some of them come from old Scots. And some of them are purely um, uh, west of Scotland based because they come more from Ireland. Okay, so that's just to give you. So and I, and I don't, I don't know which ones are which anymore, and I don't even know which ones are <laughs> translate across the board. So one of the uh, things that people will say is he's fly, he's a fly man. Okay, so basically he's kind of. Um, and I actually don't even know how to describe this without, <laughs> without using further colloquialisms. Um, so he's basically he, he knows what he's about and he's playing you kind of that that type of thing all right so children are very often seen as being fly if they're trying to pull one over on you okay now if i am clicker training um my dog okay and he lies down and every time he lies down i click and then give him a treat okay who is manipulating whom there all right Am I, I'm manipulating him because I'm withholding the food until he gets it, until he lies down. And when he lies down, I give him the treat in order for him to lie down more. Okay. And then what he does is he understands that this is what the game is. And then he lies down in order for me to give him a treat. Now, very often I will see this. And you, when the dog starts understanding that this game, people start saying the dog's dead fly. Okay. He's becoming really fly and he understands the rules of this game. And at which point I say, that's exactly what I want. I want them being manipulative, but we're manipulating the dog, manipulating us, okay? And um, other way to look at it there is rather than looking at manipulating is we are guiding the dog to guide us, okay? Or we are influencing the dog to influence us, all right? So we can change that word manipulate to influence and it completely changes the meaning of what we're going on there, what, what we're, we're thinking about. And from something which is, uh, negative to at least neutral, okay? So this influence backwards and forwards, and we're all influenced by lots of people. So hopefully this podcast and this information will influence you. And then you will be prompted to get in touch with me to share this podcast, and then you will influence me or you'll influence other people. Okay, so you see how that works, all right? Fearful, fearful is a good one. The dog is very fearful. Anxious is another one that people use. Um, the dog is fearful or anxious. So what I say there is, what is the dog doing which makes you uh, reach that conclusion? And very often what they'll see is the dog hears a loud noise 
and he flinches and backs away. Okay, so what I look at there is that's a descriptor of the behavior. What is the dog doing? And we've also got under what circumstances when he hears a loud noise and what is the dog trying to achieve by flinching and moving away is generally safety. Okay, now the likelihood is there that the dog is fearful, okay, but we can't see fearful, okay. And what Dr. Susan says is if you were to do a necropsy on the animal after the, the animal dies, you wouldn't find fearful in that animal, okay. So you wouldn't find anxious and you won't find stubbornness within the animal. There's no stubbornness center in the brain, okay. So we're looking at behaviors here, all right. The other one that people will come up with is, uh, they'll say the dog is high drive. So high prey drive, high chase drive, high fight drive. Okay. Now this, the objection that I have to some of these terms is not only doesn't, does it not describe what is going on, it starts to play into our ego. So I've got, a, not me, okay, one says I have a high drive Malinois or a very high chase drive um, whippet, okay? And that feeds into our stuff going on, okay? Because I've got this dog that is like a superhero, you know, um, and I can control that dog, which means I can control superhero dogs because he's so such a high drive dog. Now, what I, I look at there is what, what behaviors is the dog doing, which is making you reach that conclusion, okay? So that's the same theme what is the dog doing which is making you draw that uh, conclusion? Okay, what are you seeing? What is the dog doing? Under what circumstances? And what is the dog trying to achieve by doing it? All right. The other one we get is not food motivated. Okay, right. Um, now, Jean Donaldson, who's a trainer in uh, San Francisco, and she says, um, and I don't know whether Jean said this originally, but certainly who I heard it from, if a dog is alive, the dog's food motivated. Okay. Now, and that's true. Okay. So every single being on this planet who is alive is food motivated. What people are probably observing there is under certain circumstances, the dog is not taking food. The dog is not interested in food. Okay, so the food is not high, a, a good enough reinforcer in those circumstances. Okay, so that doesn't mean that the dog is not food motivated. That means under certain circumstances, the dog is not uh, motivated to eat. Okay, and generally from my experience, there's only two reasons for it. The dog is too excited because something in the environment is overstimulating good or something in the environment is overstimulating bad. All right, so it's like, um, I'm too worried about that to eat, okay? That's, I want to get away from that scary thing, or I'm so, and again, we're using descriptors here, um, and we'd have to define them, but the dog is so anxious or upset of being in the environment um, that it can't eat, okay? Or so excited, like, oh my God! And I always think that those dogs are kind of like when Alec Baldwin was in Friends and everything was amazing. You know, this is the best day ever and that's the best ball I've ever seen. And there's a leaf and that's that leaf is the best leaf in the whole world until they see another one. And that leaf's now the best one, okay? Um, and uh, generally, um, boxers will show these behaviors. Um, lots of working spaniels, um, Staffordshire Bull Terriers, everything's awesome. Oh my God, it's so awesome. Okay. And that then gets in the way because the dog just gets in a big, massive frenzy of awesomeness all the time. 
All right. So when we're looking at these things, just be um, be mindful of uh, of these descriptors. And anytime somebody you hear one of them, you can then say. Um, you can then either ask yourself or ask the person, what are you seeing or what is that person seeing which makes them uh, draw the conclusion or leads them to draw the conclusion that that is what is going on there, okay? All right, so hopefully this has been useful. Um, if you get any any comments on this at all, then please do get in touch. Um, if you're on iTunes, please leave, leave a review for this if you like it. Um, it's a massive help to, to me um, and our team here if you share this information. We're trying to get good information out to as many people as we possibly can because it will help um, the, our, our dogs, our dog training community, our dog owning community. And then though that ripple effect takes place into a broader society. So I am a completely different person because 15 years ago, I was put on the path of positive reinforcement. Okay, and it completely changed my life. And I've had enough feedback from other from clients to say, I look at my relationship with my dog in different eyes through learning more about this stuff, and it's actually informed other um, uh, other aspects of my life. Okay, so just now, Logan is lying on the bed behind me. Okay, as I'm recording this, if I believe that. Um, dogs show dominance by lying on the bed, then that now draws me to do something about that and probably or possibly or potentially in a harsh way to him. Now, what he's doing is, under the circumstances of being in my bedroom with the door closed and the windows closed, okay, at this time of the evening, uh, he is description of behavior, lying on the bed. And the reason for that is that he is resting and the bed is comfortable. Okay. So you see how that's now a completely different thing from him being dominant because he's lying on the bed. All right. Uh, okay. So just have, have a think about these things. Um, your feedback is always important. So please do email me if you've got any questions on this and I'll do our best um, to answer them and whether I answer them in future episodes of the podcast. Um, or I'll email you back, uh, time permitting. And my email address is info at glasgowdogtrainer.co.uk. And lastly, if you're interested at all in learning any of this stuff, um, I have a number of online courses um, from as little as £12 per month, which is about 15 US dollars, which is probably about 16 or 17 Canadian. Um, and But it's £12 uh, UK or um, British pounds, and you can convert that. Um, and you get 10 new lessons every two weeks for that. Uh, sorry, every month, 10 new lessons every month. All right, um, on learning all these things. Okay, oh, very, very, very lastly, I've just looked at my notes there. Um, when we describe a dog as a rescue dog or a shelter dog, okay, that allows us to tell a story about what is going on there, okay? And if we change those labels to I rehomed that dog, okay, or I adopted that dog as an adult, Okay, it means that we can then change change the story and change the narrative that we're talking about. All right, so massive, massive thanks to, for you for spending your time listening to this. Please do give us feedback on this. Um, if you know anybody that might be uh, might have benefit of this information, please do share it. 
um, and uh, love and peace to you all. Wear your masks, and uh, I hope you're all well. <laughs>